favorite authors, friends, and guests explore the simpler side of life. Here's your host, Amish fiction author, Tracy Fertikowski. There. Welcome to another episode of Buggy Talk. I'm your host, Tracy Fredikowski. Each week, I'll bring you the story behind the stories along with the storytellers. For this week's episode, we have author Sarah Harris, who will introduce us to Rebecca's Cradle. Hello, Sarah. How are you today? Hi, Tracy. I am wonderful. It looks like Hurricane Nicholas bypassed my house for the most part. It did relieve my trees of some leaves however well I am glad that it bypassed you and I hate to be in my little bubble but I didn't even know there was another hurricane coming I'm sorry that you're having to go through that and I I didn't even realize that but I'm glad everyone is safe Um, I want to thank you for joining us today and we've lots of things to talk about since the last time we had you on the buggy talk but today we're going to talk about your new release Rebecca's Cradle and it comes out um, in September here it should launch anytime now but before we do that I'd love to take our authors and find out a little bit more about your writing career are you ready yes ma'am Okay, so I know that you write in series, which um, I'm a firm believer in series. I think we grab our our readers' attention and we can just carry them through three or four books, which is wonderful. So knowing that, when you write in a series, how do you keep things fresh for both your readers and yourself? Well, I know that personally, I could not tell my life story in one book. And I try to keep that mentality when I'm writing and creating my characters. Most of my characters, however, are based on real people. So I will just take a portion of their life and get 60,000 words about what they're going through in that area of their life, whether it's um, a sickness in the family, a birth, a death, a marriage, a romance, And once we cover that and we get our 60,000 plus words about that aspect of our character's life, it normally naturally segues into the next part, which is what has happened with the Rebecca's Keepsake series. Exactly. And there's four books in that series. Why don't you take a minute and and refresh our memory on, on what books we can find in that series? Wonderful. Thank you. Well, we have the Rebecca's Keepsake series is a four book series born of Vinspire Publishing. We start off with Rebecca's Quilt, and this is a historically accurate Amish romance that follows real Amish migration patterns from Canada and the United States during the 1880s to 1890s. So before too much of my history nerd starts to hang out, um, I will go on to book two in the series, which is Rebecca's Dress. I also take this one and introduce real people of the time who you wouldn't associate with the Amish faith, like Nellie Bly, the journalist and author of 10 Days in a Madhouse. She was very forward of her time and it felt wrong not to include her and have her cross paths with our Amish characters in this series. 
because that book does take us from Amish, Indiana, all the way to New York City for Rumspringa. So lots of excitement there, lots of real people. There's real churches of the time, even a gentleman, well, I use the word gentleman loosely, a character of the past, I should say, <laughs> by name of Jack the Ripper, who makes- Oh my goodness. It, yeah, he makes a little cameo in this book as well. Then we go into Rebecca's Cradle, the third book of the series. Now, I have four children myself, and so I'm no stranger to postpartum depression. And not every happily ever after book is happily ever after all the way through. We have to have some emotion, some something there. You know, it's not always sunshine and rainbows, which is what happens with my character here as she becomes a mother first time. I was very interested to learn about how the Amish dealt with things like postpartum depression. And I explore that in this book as well. Hmm. The fourth book in the series is called Rebecca's Riches. I am currently in the process of sending that manuscript around, hopefully to get a Kirkus review on that one. That's my goal. And that one will release next year. And that'll be the fourth and probably final book in this series. Sounds like an interesting story. And I love how one character, you get to know that character in so many different aspects through her life. And that's what draws me into, into books that are in a series when you can carry those characters all the way through. So good job. Good job. Awesome. Thank you. So why don't we move right in and how about you tell us what your favorite part and your least favorite part of the publishing journey is? My favorite part of the publishing journey would be the anticipation. I love it. I love sending a manuscript in and waiting to hear back from an editor or a publisher or an agent or what have you. And while that can be kind of mind gnawing for some individuals. I try to take it and just enjoy it. Um, it's kind of like, you know, as mothers, we have been, and it's the anticipation of that baby coming and all the dreams we have for it and what have you. It's kind of the same feeling with a book. And I've um, always, I've always said that publishing a book book is like birthing a baby. Yes, and it really is. And so that anticipation is definitely one of the high points for me because whether they come back with a no, well, that's okay because there's still other avenues to pursue and people to pursue. There's edits to make, ways to make it shine, ways to make it better, or they come back with a yes, at which point you can crack open the non-alcoholic champagne and, you know, <laughs> spray it all over the car outside and have your neighbors look at you like you're crazy, but that's okay. Cause you're a writer. You're always a little crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. And we get to exploit that craziness from time to time. And when you get that, yes, that's the perfect time to do so. Um, then there are the low points as well. And I would say the low points would be the ever changing ideals of the publishing industry. For me, honestly, um, 
things change. Sometimes you can't write what you want to write. Sometimes, I don't know, just things change and the air about publishing changes. And sometimes it seems that it moves far away from self-expression to guarding everybody's feelings. And I saw that change coming um, back when I was still in my 20s. I'm almost 40 now. And I was in college. And I was told that I was not allowed to write about tiki huts because I myself had never lived in a tiki hut. However, I had always wanted to. And so I created a world where I thought the tiki hut, you know, like it would be like to live in one. Um, and that was probably what kind of started to break my heart because I wasn't allowed to explore other avenues of life, which me, I was raised in a trailer house. Um, we shared a car with my grandma and grandpa for a time. We didn't come from a lot of means. We were living in the oil field areas of Texas, and we had just gone through the crash of the 80s. Everybody was broke. Um, and so it felt like I wasn't allowed to be imaginative anymore. And so I would say that would be my pitfall of the publishing industry. But on that same note, I feel like I've been blessed to work with some amazing publishers who have never felt like they would stifle me at all. Well, I can, I can only imagine how that would feel if somebody told me I couldn't write an Amish story because I was never Amish. Yes. So I can imagine who, who told you, or was it somebody in school? Is that who you meant that you couldn't write about the Tiki hut? Yes, it actually was. I was going to teacher school and, you know, I already had my degree in history and I was going back to earn my teacher certification through the emergency certification program is what we call it here for people who already have a degree, but just, you know, need those few education credits to be able to take the certification test. And it was one of those teacher professors. And it was strangely enough for the literature portion of this um, teacher certification. And I was like, really, woman, <laughs> of all people, I would think that you would be a champion of such things. But she was not. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. So let's tell me how you go about researching the books that you write. And you write a, a couple different genres. Is that correct? I do. Yes, I have picture books for children. I have Catholic picture books for children, one of which I am illustrating myself for the first time. And that one will be coming from Wordcrafts Press, hopefully by the end of the year. Um, we did have some Corona setbacks in my house, which pushed my publishing date. But we have that. I do have inspirational paranormal thriller, which was a lot of fun to you know, test the waters of bending genres in such a way. Amish Western, Amish romance, Amish adventure, historical romance, and YA time slip and YA horror. Oh my goodness. How do you keep all of those different genres um, uh, separate in your head? I don't, I don't, I don't even <laughs> Well, I tell you, um, it's a wonderful cure for writer's block. Um, for instance, when I was writing Rebecca's Quilt and I would come to a spot where I just flat couldn't 
get her out of a room, you know, because my brain was just dead. I began writing the ABCs of Texas Plants, um, which is a nonfiction book for kids designed to get kids out from in front of the screen and exploring weird, gross, strange historical plants in their counties um, of Texas and Oklahoma. I plan on doing one of those books for each of the 50 states, but then again, well, lofty ambitions, I guess, are always good to have. <laughs> they Hopefully are. it'll happen. Wow. So out of all of those different genres, tell me what's the most enjoyable to write? I would say the most enjoyable genre to write is the one that I'm fixing to start on. <laughs> that was a sense. perfect answer. That was perfect. <laughs> That was perfect. Well, well, thank you. Well, you're very welcome. And now let's move into talking about Rebecca's quilt. I have to know, what was the inspiration for that particular um, story in your series? Certainly. Rebecca's quilt was book one in this four book series. And the reason I even started on Amish was because I made a discovery on Ancestry.com. Um, I can't speak highly enough about them. Um, I was looking through late one night, uh, researching my family lines when I found a whole branch of my family that seemingly blew across the ocean from Austria and popped down right in the middle of Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And there it stayed. Oh, super happy me. Woohoo. We're Amish somewhere. This is awesome. I need to take to the page and write about it. So that's how Rebecca's quilt was born. However, that was not the case. My family was not and is not Amish. My family, as I learned upon doing more research into this particular branch, were Jews. We were Jews (laughs) who came from Austria and hid among the Amish in Lancaster County. And what led me to discover this was a draft a draft card for one of my um, ancestors here where his nickname is the Pennsylvania Dutchman. Oh, oh how interesting. My oh my goodness. And that series, the In Plain Sight series, has just been contracted to Vinspire Publishing for a three book series at least. And that will tell the story of this family. So that's an Amish Jewish story, right? Yes. Both of them. Oh, how interesting. And we will have, I'm sure, you know, I have my romance swirled through there, so it can technically be categorized as a romance, but this one's adventure. I would say in my heart of hearts, this is an adventure. I would say, I would say it would be an adventure too. If they're, if they're hiding amongst the Lancaster Amish, oh, there's so many storylines that are just going through my head, Sarah, I can imagine what, yes. what, what, uh, what you're going to come up with. How interesting. Oh, I can't wait. They are going to let me add pictures of the family members here, um, to have in some capacity, whether we put them on the cover or insert or in the acknowledgements, it's not yet been decided. It's so exciting. This is the anticipation that I absolutely crave. And I'm excited for you. Oh, my goodness. It makes me want to go to Ancestry.com and see where my ancestors are coming from. How interesting. Yeah, that's really really, cool. Miss Tracy, I'm telling you, 
when it came time, you know, when they put that DNA test on there, a lot of people were skeptical. I was excited. I'm like, I have to find out what's going on. I had not yet made my Jewish discovery. I was still under the impression we were Amish. So when I spit in the tube and sent it back, and then like six to eight weeks later, my results come up and showed Jewish DNA in my and in, in my um, ancestry's profile there, I was like, what in the world? Why haven't I discovered this? But that was just another piece of the puzzle that made the discovery a few months later of that draft card so much more, uh, can I say special? That doesn't feel like, you know, and the right word, but it did, it made it more special. It's just exciting. It's just exciting. Who would ever thought that you could have wrapped a story around Jewish immigrants right. hiding, hiding out in, in, a, in the middle of Amish country in Lancaster. So um, yeah. we will definitely have you back on the boogie talk and you're going to tell us all about that. I am certain of that. Thank so you. You're very welcome. So let's go back to Rebecca's cradle. So tell us a little bit about this particular story, Rebecca's cradle. Okay, well, with Rebecca's quilt, the first one, we have a young unmarried girl in the throes of a romance with her childhood best friend. As we move through the series, Rebecca's dress is number two, and as with Amish custom, she was to sew her own dress. As we learn in Rebecca's quilt, our young lady cannot sew to save her life, which made that so much more fun. And then here we come into number three, Rebecca's cradle, which is just the natural progression of her life here. We have, she and her beau are now husband and wife after many tribulations, you know, seemingly designed to keep them apart. And she has a pregnancy that mirrors my third pregnancy, which is full of fear preterm labor, um, terror and bed rest, and ultimately the reliance on others to keep you safe, healthy, and alive hmm. and your baby too. So Rebecca, yes, you get to see so many facets of her whole life. How do you stop that? Because a person's life doesn't stop, but it's going to stop with book four. So I can imagine your, your readers are going to say, okay, you've taken me this far. How much further can you take me? Right. And we are open to doing more books. However, anyone who has read any of this series knows Rebecca's nemesis is Katie Nip. She is the saucy little Amish girl who is the picture girl of discontentment. <laughs> Yeah. Don't you love writing characters like that? I enjoy yeah. writing little sassy characters. Me too. Well, Katie, she wouldn't shut up in my head. And so she got her own series. She has her Amish Journeys series with Word Crafts Press. And the first book of Katie's story has released. And at least two more are coming from her. When, when did that one release? That one, the title is Katie's Plain Regret. And that one released last year. It was a pandemic release. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you have a whole series. We're going to have you on the buggy talk once a month here if we keep it up. So that's pretty cool. So I love to hear a little bit about um, Rebecca's Cradle. And I think the first page of a story is the one that draws your readers in the most. So would you mind reading us a little bit of Rebecca's Cradle? I would love to We'll start if you don't mind with the dedication, because it's dedicated to the girl who made me a mommy in the first place. Oh, please do. For Michaela, my firstborn, you made me a mother so many years ago. And in doing so opened my eyes to an entirely new world filled with love, light, hope, and innocence for that. And so much more. I'm eternally grateful, grateful to you and your sweetheart. I love you, baby girl more than you will ever know. Hmm. And then we have a quote. We are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. We are the sum of the father's love for us and our real capacity to become the image of his son, Jesus. Saint Pope John Paul II. I love One of my it. Favorite. I love it. <laughs> yes. Oh, he's, he had the words. Chapter one. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. First Samuel 1 27. Buttercup, the cantankerous rooster that Rebecca's doting little brother Thomas insisted on gifting her and Joseph as a wedding present, crowed his trademark pitiable crow as the Indiana sun peeked over the horizon. Buttermilk was ornery enough to guard his flock of hens against any perceived threat be it two-legged or four, but his crowing skills were severely lacking. Rebecca stretched her arms over her head. Her eyelids were like stone and refused to open. Joseph, she murmured. Her husband didn't answer. She patted the side of the bed and forced her eyes to open. The sheets beside her were cold and empty. Somebody's up and gone with the sun, she whispered. Moving slowly, Rebecca dragged herself out of the small handmade bed that she shared with her husband. The world pitched and rolled and her head felt airy as though a breeze could knock her over. She listed against the dresser that her father, Samuel, had made for them. Oh my, Rebecca's hand went to her stomach and bile burned the back of her throat. I must have picked up a stomach sickness. The roiling in her stomach bubbled as she felt her way down the stairs and into the empty living room. Still no Joseph. She peeked into the kitchen and shivered in the morning's coolness. Steam rose from the coffee pot and the gray morning light tinted the window behind the gauzy curtains that she and her mother, Elnora, had made together. The curtains Elnora had sewn hung straight and true while Rebecca's Crooked him hung oddly. She sniffed the coffee scented air. Joseph has been here, his trails getting warmer. She thought momentarily about pouring herself a cup, but another surge of nausea gave her pause. She hiccuped in the doorway. Perhaps he's outside. Rebecca picked her way down the front stairs. The dew in the front yard was icy on her bare feet as she tiptoed to the barn. Sure enough, Joseph was there. Beside him, holding the lantern, was his new little shadow, her brother Thomas. Her favorite little brother had his own room at their house, in addition to his own room at their parents' house. Since she and Joseph married, 
Wherever Joseph went, Thomas went too. If Joseph went to town, Thomas went to town. Thanks to their constant travels or adventures, as he and Joseph liked to call them, nine-year-old Thomas knew every back road and shortcut between Montgomery, Indiana and Gastoff Village. Good morning, little brother. A smile flickered across Rebecca's lips. I might be wrong, but I thought you stayed the night at mom and dad's last night. Thomas grinned his gap tooth grin at his sister's unexpected appearance. The lantern light illuminated his freckled round face beneath his wide brimmed straw hat. You're right, I did go home last night. Joseph, busy sanding a piece of wood that would become a chair at some point, raised his eyebrows and smiled. Thomas, however, continued, Dad is still not feeling well, so I went to help Jeremiah make the wagon wheel delivery in Montgomery this morning. When we were done, I just took my secret trail back here to my other home. Wait, Rebecca thought, Dad is sick. The memory of the heart seizure that almost took their father's life last year burst to the forefront of Rebecca's mind. He had collapsed in front of Thomas and Rebecca as they helped him in the barn, only a short time before she and Joseph were to be married. The man who bought the wagon wheels worried when the delivery was tardy and came to check on Samuel, and it was a good thing he did, for his timing was divine and saved her father's life. And that is our first page. And that was beautiful. And if you have not uh, recorded your audiobooks with your own voice, you should. I have not. <laughs> you should, because your voice reads beautifully. So thank you so add, much. You're welcome. Add I one have... more thing to the back of your list. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> exactly. Well, I appreciate that very much because I had a pretty severe speech impediment and it tends to come out if I'm not paying attention. So for you to say that, that means so much and thank you. Well, you're welcome. And I would have never known that your voice, like I said, reads beautifully. So, well, thank you so much. And now I know we've talked a, a good bit about what's up for Sarah, what's up next for Sarah. So we won't really, we won't really go into that only to know that you've got a ton of things coming out and we will get you back on uh, the buggy talk to introduce all of your new releases very, very soon. So is there, and before we play my little bit of fun round that I love to do, is there anything you'd like to add, or would you like to um, say a message to your readers? Oh, goodness. Yes. Um, I want to thank them. Thank you for reading my work. Um, I appreciate it. You are the reason I do this. Um, even if I touch just one little life with my words, that is enough, you know, to keep me going until the final day someday. So I really am appreciative of all of my readers. And I would like to tell them that thanks to them reading my work, I have the energy to keep going and creating more, which has been pretty hard to find these past couple of years. COVID dealt my um just a really yucky hand. It affected us all in one way or another. After I survived COVID twice, I came down with a couple of weird autoimmune issues, um, including SLE lupus, as, as I'm learning to navigate life with these new, um, oh, what do you call it? Um, 
diseases. Does that feel right? Um, challenges, maybe. Challenges. <laughs> challenges. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, I've got it. Plot twists. That's what <laughs> they are. They are exactly what they are. Exactly. Exactly. And you will write yourself out of them. Yes, we will. Yes. <laughs> will. And hopefully it can give me a new perspective on what a lot of my readers are already dealing with. Some may deal with chronic issues like this. And now I hope to be able to even more wholeheartedly see things from their perspective and bring their issues to light. You can. And, you know, we talked a little bit before I hit the record button that, you know, when we go through things in life, it really just sets us up to be able to write about certain circumstances. So if, if an author doesn't ever have any challenges in their life, what would they write about? <laughs> because we, we often can surround or exactly. we, can, we can weave in what we've learned or our relationship with Christ or, you know, some way we've turned to God through those dark, dark places in our life. So yes, I'm sure we'll see it in one of your books. I'm sure you will. You will. Okay. So like, like everyone is used to, I love to play a fun round where our listeners really get a chance to know you personally. So are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So five simple questions, just rattle off the top of your head. The first thing that comes to mind. Okay. First question, dark or milk chocolate? Milk chocolate. Okay. Number two, when was the last time you stayed up past midnight and why did you stay up past midnight? Ooh, that was this past weekend. We went to a Houston Astros game and the next night we went to the Jason Aldean concert. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. What, what a great time. <laughs> yes. Okay. Question number three, who inspires you the most? Two people, my mother and St. Irina Sindler, the woman who saved 2,500 Jewish children from the Holocaust by sneaking them out of Warsaw Ghetto through the sewers. Oh, my goodness. And just so our listeners know, I do not share my fun round questions with our authors. And it amazes me that the stuff they <laughs> rattle off the top of their head. Oh, that was <laughs> perfect. That was perfect. Thank you. Question number four. Would you rather climb a mountain or jump from a plane? Oh, ooh, climb a mountain. That's actually one of my goals to be the first COVID survivor to climb Mount Everest. Oh my goodness. Listen to you. Oh, I love it. <laughs> All right. Number five, you've got four kids at home, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. What's for dinner tonight? Whatever we can get on our DoorDash app. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Sarah. I want to thank you for spending time with us this week. And I look forward to hearing more about your future product projects here on the Buggy Talk podcast. And that wraps up this episode. And I encourage you to visit my website at Tracy Fredikowski to see a complete list of all of your favorite Amish fiction authors and all the great books they add to the Amish landscape. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you, Tracy, for having me. I absolutely love coming to visit with you. Well, thank you.